You're listening to The Lunar Body, a podcast for feminist menstruators who want to manage their health naturally and supernaturally through nutrition, herbalism, and intuitive expansion using science and the moon as your guides. Hi, hello, welcome to The Lunar Body. I'm your host, Kristen Ciccolini, period priestess, nutritionist, and the founder of Good Witch Kitchen. Today, it's all about kitchen witch basics. I talk a lot about eating intentionally, and what I typically mean by that is thinking about how you want to feel and choosing foods that align with that goal, or consciously deciding to eat something, whether it makes you feel good or not, rather than just eating it on autopilot and feeling bad about it later. It's about being present and empowered with your food choices. But there's another type of way that we can eat intentionally, and that's with kitchen witchery. This is choosing food for its magical or energetic properties, whatever goal or intention you're going for. It's making magic out of your meals, incorporating food into your rituals or your rituals into your food. I like my magic to be practical when you have to eat, right? So I did an episode about eating as a spiritual practice last season that you can refer back to. In today's episode, I want to talk about some basics around turning your kitchen into a more sacred place, some cooking basics, and also some kitchen witchcraft basics. We'll talk about how to read a recipe. That's very important. I think I've mentioned before how I used to teach cooking classes, and it was so interesting how certain recipes would come out so different depending on who was making them. I would give each group a recipe and walk around and help them through it. But part of a cooking class is to be hands-on and to figure things out for yourself. And some people are naturally good at following a recipe and others are really not. So (laughs) it's just so funny to see two different groups making a recipe and one comes out so delicious, so great. And the other one is just on fire, like like a sim, you know, going crazy. And it just doesn't doesn't turn out the way you thought. So I have some tips on how to properly read a recipe if you've been curious about why things never turn out the way they should. I'll also talk about some essential kitchen items, things I believe belong in every kitchen if you plan on being in there often. If you are more of a takeout gal, that's cool. Maybe you just need a fork and knife. If you plan on developing your skills more, then I share all the tools that I think are necessary to have for cooking and for baking. Then the fun stuff, tips on making the mundane a little bit more magical, some Kitchen Witch 101, different ways that you can infuse your energy and intentions into your meals, whether you're choosing ingredients for specific purposes, using color magic in your recipes, meditating while you wash dishes. I hope that some of the recommendations I have for you can make things a little bit more exciting as you meal prep throughout the week. And then finally, I'll share a few of my favorite books for going further and a few rituals to try to get started. And if you're wondering whether or not you can be a kitchen witch, there's no initiation, there's no gatekeeper, no certification, no exam. You are one if you decide to be one. And I'll share some ideas on how. So let's start with a foundational piece, how to read a recipe. You might think you've got this down, but maybe you feel like a total novice in the kitchen and you never know why your recipes just don't turn out right. You always want to read the recipe all the way through before you start cooking. Maybe you've had this happen. You don't want to be in the middle of a recipe where it says like work quickly, but you haven't even chopped the garlic yet. So (laughs) there may be hidden ingredients too, like water sometimes, which isn't listed, or there may be instructions for separating ingredients, like using egg whites for one part of the recipe and the yolk for another. So you don't want any surprises in the middle of cooking. Read the recipe all the way through so you know what to prepare for, how much time you'll need, 
and how to prep the ingredients. You'll always want to read the ingredients list properly too. They are typically listed in the order that you'll need them and will be specific about what you should do with them. The comma is very important. Respect the comma in your recipes. What do I mean by that? For example, there is a difference between one cup almonds, comma, chopped, and one cup chopped almonds. When there's a comma before the instruction, you measure first, then do the instruction. So one cup almonds, comma, chopped, means you measure one cup of almonds, then chop. One cup chopped almonds means you chop the almonds first and then measure it out to one cup. So when you're ready to get started, get all your ingredients ready first. So chop your almonds, do whatever else you need to do before moving through the recipe instructions. This ensures everything is ready to go when it's needed. This is called mise en place, which is a term used in professional kitchens. And it's French for everything in its place. So everything's ready and everything's measured out before you start cooking. And cooking is an art, and as with any art, you have freedom of expression. But if you're new to cooking, I do recommend following the recipe as it's written, at least for the first time that you do it, so you know what it's supposed to taste like, and then you can adjust it in the future from there. But you don't have to be rigid with cooking. If you're baking, that is more of a science and that can take practice, but with cooking, I usually recommend just doing the recipe as written in the first go round. but you can do whatever you want if your instincts are telling you to try something else. Now for some essential kitchen items for cooking and magic making, spices. We want flavor and herbs and spices have a lot of magical purposes on top of culinary uses. So get your pantry set up with salt, pepper, and your other favorite herbs and spices. Your staples may be different from my staples and can depend on the type of foods that you like, the foods that you were brought up eating and eat all the time. My staples are more European influence, so garlic powder, onion powder, basil, parsley, oregano, um, also chili powder, cayenne, paprika, cumin, cinnamon, and you know, obviously everything bagel seasoning. So <laughs> your go-tos will depend on your favorite cuisines and the foods that you like to eat often. You'll also want to get yourself a couple spatulas. If you don't get a set with different sizes, at least get one basic medium or large spatula for mixing and scraping out every last drop of the food you make. Get a good sharp knife as well, a chef's knife or something similar that feels comfortable in your hand. A good knife can last a lifetime and it's worth the investment. So you might find that they can get pretty pricey, but again, like I said, it'll last a long time, especially if you take good care of it. I have small hands and I find the most comfortable knife for me is a five and a half inch um, Santoku knife. That's a Japanese chef's knife. I really like it. That's the one I prefer. You can just like go to Bed Bath & Beyond or Williams-Sonoma or wherever you go to shop for your knives and just hold it in your hand and make sure that it feels comfortable because if you're going to be doing a lot of chopping, you want it to be comfortable in your hand. So a paring knife is another one good for smaller jobs and those don't need to be as high quality as the bigger knives unless you want to invest in a good set, but it is good to have a paring knife too. Measuring cups and measuring spoons are another essential or they are essentials. Tongs. For handling hot food from the oven or tossing a salad like you work at Sweetgreen. I always feel like I work at Sweetgreen when I have my salad in a big metal bowl and I'm tossing it with the tongs. It makes it fun. <laughs> a grater or microplane is a great tool for zesting lemons and limes for extra flavor or for grating small things like ginger or nutmeg. That one is not 100% necessary but it's very convenient. Next, get yourself a vegetable peeler. You can do this with a paring knife but it's much easier with a good peeler. And then a blender. A blender is a must for me. I use mine almost every single day for smoothies, 
soups, food processing, and so much more. And that said, a food processor is another important tool to have, but if you have a really good blender that has a variety of speeds and options, you may not need both. So consider what you already have. Mixing bowls, you'll want a variety there, so to put your recipes together without much of a mess. A cutting board to go with your awesome knives so you don't scratch up your counters. And small, medium, and large pots for meals of various sizes. For pans, a 10-inch skillet is great. I like having several sizes, but if you only get one and are only cooking for a couple people, 10 to 12 inches is great. Another type of pan, a baking sheet will be helpful, and parchment paper. Parchment paper will solve all your problems. It keeps food from sticking to your pan and it saves you from another mess. And then finally, the last essential is storage containers. If you're gonna have leftovers and you're gonna be making multiple meals, get food storage containers in various sizes. Target has really great Pyrex dishes with lids and the kitchen section at Marshall's or TJ Maxx also usually has a lot of reasonably priced options too. Or you could just save your takeout containers and recycle glass jars or other plastic containers. I have a shelf in my pantry that is dedicated to just old jars <laughs> and also a drawer in the kitchen that is just full to the brim with old takeout containers. So I try to use what reuse what I can. So those are the tools that I think anyone should have if they're cooking for themselves regularly. And before I get into the more fun stuff, I want to quickly go over some knife skill tips because I want you to be safe in the kitchen. Like I said, I think it's important to have a chef's knife, a paring knife, and then it's optional, but I also recommend a serrated knife or a bread knife. If you only have one good knife, let that chef's knife be it. This will be your workhorse in the kitchen. A paring knife, it's good for smaller foods like strawberries, garlic, shallots, um, and a bread knife is good for anything with a tough skin like melons, squash, pineapple, and also the types of foods with waxy skins like tomatoes and bell peppers. Now you want to practice safety in the kitchen, safety first, which is make sure you stabilize your cutting board. If your cutting board doesn't have rubber on the bottom, you can place a damp kitchen towel or a silicone baking mat underneath it to keep it stable. Also, make sure to keep your knives sharp. Avoid putting them in the dishwasher because it's abrasive and it can dull the blade. Try not to drop them and dent the blade. And then store them in a knife block to keep the teeth of the knife safe. It may not look like it has teeth, but it does. And you don't need any fancy sharpening tools. You can actually just sharpen your blades with the unglazed bottom of a ceramic mug. You can look it up on YouTube to see how it's done. I'll link to a video in the show notes. And then last, you gotta make sure you're holding it properly. The proper way to hold a knife is to not have your index finger resting on the top of it like a lot of us do. Instead, your thumb should be on the left, your index finger should be dropped down on the right, and the other three fingers hold the handle with a relaxed grip. Putting your index finger on top of the knife creates pressure and it'll tire you out if you're doing a lot of chopping. Oh, and also make sure that you're holding your food properly while you're cutting so you don't slice your fingers off. You need your fingers. Make a claw with your hands to stabilize the food you're chopping to keep your fingers safe. And you can Google what that looks like if you're not sure what I mean. It's very common advice. If you do happen to cut yourself, you can use some of the items you stocked your pantry with. Obviously, if it's a bad cut, you should go to the ER, but if you have a minor injury, you can rub honey on the wound for its antibacterial qualities and also cayenne to help coagulate the blood. And I know that sounds like it would be painful, but it doesn't sting like you think it would. 
Hey there, I'm pausing the show real quick to tell you about a free cycle syncing resource that I offer called Syncing with the Moon for a Better Flow. This mini guide gives you insight into what's happening in each phase of your cycle, how it corresponds with the lunar phases, and it offers some tips on self-care and how to eat for each phase of your cycle as well. This practice will allow you to follow the natural cycles of life and give you a closer connection to your body. You can download it for free at goodwitchkitchen.net slash flow. Okay, time for the fun stuff. I mean, all of this is fun, but the more magical stuff, adding some kitchen witch magic into the mix. I personally believe that you're already making magic in the kitchen when you choose foods intentionally because you're choosing them to support a specific outcome. It's like delicious manifestation. Also, just the act of cooking in general, it's alchemy. It's transformational. You are creating something that is nourishing to your body. And we can also amp things up even more in ways that you might not have considered. Before doing any ritual, you'll want to start fresh and start with some good magical hygiene. If your kitchen is a mess, clean it. Declutter the space, tidy up, put things where they're supposed to be. Cleanse as you would with any other ritual. And be sure to do the same when you're done too, wiping down the counters, washing your dishes, or at least tidying up the mess and putting it all in the sink for later instead of everything strewn about the counters and the table. Do the thing that men do and put all the stuff in the sink, fill it up with water and Let it soak, right? It needs to soak. And then take care of it in the morning. If you're using your kitchen as your altar, you'll want to treat it with the same reverence and respect as you would any other altar that you work with. Decorate it with things that symbolize what you want your craft to be about. You can also make an altar in your kitchen, on a shelf, on top of the stove, inside a cabinet, wherever you have space for it. But also consider putting it in a place that can be moved if you need to move it. I have an altar on my kitchen table, but everything sits on top of a plate, so I can just pick it up and put it somewhere else if I need to use the whole table. Or again, you can just consider the entire kitchen your altar. Now, as you clear the space, open the windows, sweep negative energy out of the room, think about how you cleanse with other rituals, smoke cleansing, bells, music, however you want to do it. Any ritual also begins with intention. So what is your intention for your meal or for your beverage? I teach a class called Potions with Purpose that dives deeper into this. You can download it on demand on my website. I will link to that in the show notes. Also, a good follow on TikTok is Lizzie Arden. She's a bartender and a kitchen witch, and she shares all these awesome recipes for intentional cocktails like abundance mojitos and berry protection martinis. She's great. Her username is Lizzie and the Bats. So think about your intention. You can choose ingredients based on this intention or simply keep your mind on that intention as you make your meal to infuse it with the energy that you want to manifest. Keep your mind on it. Stir your intentions into your coffee, your tea, your soup, whatever you're making. Stirring clockwise draws something to you and counterclockwise draws it away. If you're using condiments, you can draw a sigil with a knife. You can squirt out some mustard in the shape of your sigil or write out a word on the bread with your mustard before you put a sandwich together. It can be that simple. It's like a little secret with yourself and your sandwich. If you want happiness, put on some happy music, cook with brightly colored foods, set up the environment to create this energy within you as you cook. If you're angry, trying to just think happiness into your meal isn't really going to work. You you have to create the vibe, you know, just like with a ritual, you don't want to go into it with heightened emotions and make things go haywire. Some people like to bless or thank each ingredient before adding it to their dish. It was a living thing that was grown and harvested for you to consume. Honoring and appreciating that is a nice thing to add to your ritual. 
As for choosing foods and herbs and spices, you can choose them for specific intentions like mint for prosperity, lavender for peace. I'll share some books later that can help, but rather than trying to remember what everything is good for, you can also just go by color if that's easier. So choosing foods that have the same color as the energy you want the meal to bring you. For example, cooking yellow peppers to bring joy and abundance. You can also use different colored dishes and cups for the same purpose. On my old podcast, I did an interview with Sarah Potter, who is a professional witch and color magic practitioner, and she told me how she had color magic dinners with her friends where they would each choose a color for the energy that they wanted to bring to the meal and cook dishes that were that color. So like a big green salad for bringing prosperity to everyone at the dinner, for example. I really loved that idea, and I love bringing your friends into it too. You can also inscribe the food with your intentions. So for example, carving your intention into the pepper's skin before cooking, just like you would with a candle. While you're prepping the recipe, you can chop your vegetables in silence or wash your dishes in silence. You can use that time as an active meditation. Obviously be safe and don't chop your fingers off, but rather than listening to a podcast and multitasking, you can try to have some Zen time or use a guided meditation if you want to. So those are some tips for you. My Potions with Purpose class has a lot more information on how you can start to infuse more magic into your non-alcoholic beverages, so you're welcome to check that out. I also have some books I'd recommend too for both regular kitchen activities and more spiritual. The first is Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat by Samin Nosrat. I think this is essential for every home cook. It's about the four elements that can make or break your meal. I feel like in the past, everyone's mom had that red and white checkered cookbook from Better Homes and Gardens. That was like their generation staple. I think salt, fat, acid, heat is the new must-have for every kitchen. There are plenty of recipes, but there's also a lot of good foundational educational information about the four elements and why these components are so important to a dish. I always run those words through my head when I'm cooking and when I taste test and feel like something's off but I can't quite figure it out, you know, you taste it and you're like, this needs something, but I don't know what. So I go through and I think, does it need salt? Does it need fat? Does it need acid? Or does it need heat? Which one does it need? So same idea as when you're leaving the house, right? Phone, wallet, keys, mask, the essentials. (laughs) So that's one of my favorites. Then I have Mark Bittman's book, How to Cook Everything. He has two, How to Cook Everything and How to Cook Everything, The Basics. They have really straightforward instructions, practical tips and ideas on how to make variations of the recipes too, if you want to play around and experiment. So that's another good book to have on your shelf. Then I recommend The Vegetarian Flavor Bible. I love this more so if you create recipes on your own or you don't really like to follow recipes. For instance, if you're trying to use up a certain vegetable and you want to plan a meal around it but have no idea what flavors go with it, you can flip to that page in the Bible and it'll list out all the different foods and herbs and spices that pair well with it. And it also makes some suggestions for popular combinations around that food too. So it's really, really helpful. And then of course, The Green Witch, which is more a general book about working with nature and herbs in your spiritual practice, but it does have some good information on correspondences with different foods and herbs that might be of use to you with your kitchen witchery. Other books, The Book of Kitchen Witchery is obviously a good one, Wicca in the Kitchen, The Good Witch's Guide, Blackthorns, Botanical Brews. I'll list all of these in the show notes, but those are some good places to start. Once you get familiar with ingredients and their properties, 
Not only can you develop your own recipes, but you can also look at existing recipes and see the correspondences that already exist within them. And maybe you can go through your cookbook and figure that out, maybe label them. So you don't have to create an entirely new recipe for self-love or for getting over an argument or whatever your intention is. You can use what you have. Speaking of self-love, I do have a recipe for a self-love potion on my site that people love, and it's a really beautiful pink drink. Definitely drink it out of a fancy teacup. I'll link to it. But I also do have some ideas for you if you're not sure where to get started. Even after I've given you all these amazing tips, maybe you feel overwhelmed. And the ideas I have correspond with the moon phases. If you want it all handy, you can download it for free. There's a link in the show notes, but I will go over it quickly now. If you're listening to this when the episode airs, we are in the waxing moon phase of the lunar cycle. And forgive me for the pun here, but under the waxing moon, we can give rise to our intentions by baking some bread. Do you get it? Rise? Bread? Sorry, not sorry. There's a bread recipe that I found on TikTok from Cooking with Shireen, and she adapted it from another recipe, but it's super easy. You don't have to tire your arms out kneading it. All you need is some patience while it rises, and you can add in some herbs if you want to make it a savory bread with specific intentions. You can use whatever recipe you like, but I think Shireen's is pretty much foolproof, and I've made it with gluten-free flour too, and it came out great. So you can whisk in your intentions, watch them rise as the yeast leavens the dough, and bake the crustiest, most delicious loaf that you can enjoy while you visualize your dreams coming to life. Under the full moon, we're going to get literal bear with me, as this phase corresponds with ovulation. Yep, we are making eggs, my friend. Eggs to help you break out of your shell. Because this weekend's full moon on April 16th is known as the pink moon. According to the Farmer's Almanac, this name comes from the herb known as moss pink or wild ground phlox, which is one of the first types of flowers to bloom in the spring. Other names for this particular full moon are the full sprouting grass moon, the egg moon, and the full fish moon. So I'd like to go further into the egg analogy, if you will allow me. If we're in alignment in this phase, we want to be social, in community, but maybe you're shy. Maybe you don't like attention, but you have so much potential. There's so much nourishment and life inside of the egg, inside of its shell. So what hidden parts of you do you want to break out of your shell? I know it's super cheesy. Who cares? No one has to know. (laughs) If eggs are a part of your diet, a ritual that might be nice at this time is to paint symbols of what you're calling in on the shell. You can paint, you can draw with a marker, use whatever tool feels appropriate. You can use symbols, a sigil, words. You can use color magic and paint the shell, the color that you're trying to embody. Make this a moment. Be present with your art and your intention as you're drawing it out and handling the egg carefully. The egg can be boiled before or after, or cook it another way, depending on how the cooking process may fit with your intention. Maybe you are intending to build up strength, so you go with a boiled egg. Maybe you're breaking away from something that isn't serving you, so you crack it open into a frying pan. Whichever way you decide, take time as you cook to think about your intention and eat with the goal of manifesting your intention over the next lunar cycle. And you can save the shell too if you like. Try to crack it cleanly and rinse out the shell. You'll want to boil it for 10 minutes or so to keep it sanitary. And once you do that, drain it and peel out the membrane. Let it dry completely. You can either let it dry on low in the oven or just on a paper towel overnight. And then what you do is you can crush it with a mortar and pestle. 
or grind it in a spice grinder. And from there, you can add a pinch into your smoothies because it's high in calcium. You can use it in other spells that you want to cast around your intentions. And also outside of this ritual, eggshell powder is really great for your plants too. It's a no waste ritual. Under the waning moon, or if you're in your luteal phase, we can be a bit hard on ourselves. It might be frustrating if we don't have the energy to do all the things that we want or need to do, but give yourself a little break, my friend. You are dealing with so much. So head to the kitchen and whip up a batch of my cinnamon rose cacao fudge for self-compassion. If you're in the luteal phase of your cycle, the magnesium in the cacao powder can help with tense cramping and it can elevate your mood too. All you have to do is whisk together melted coconut oil, almond butter, cacao powder, maple syrup, cinnamon, vanilla, and a few drops of rose water. You pour it into your mold of choice and freeze it for about 15 to 20 minutes if you like a softer fudge, or at least an hour if you want fudge that has a snap to it. And then the new moon. With the new moon comes release, starting anew. If the energy feels stagnant in your kitchen, it may be a good time for some deeper cleansing. When there's less clutter around, your intentions become more clear. The universe doesn't have to wade through all the mucky energy to hear what you're calling for. So take some time to physically tidy up your space, put away the dishes, put pots and pans and utensils and herbs and spices back where they belong, then clear the energy. And some ways that you can do that are smoke. So burn your herbs of choice and waft it around the room with your hand, getting into all the corners and you know, walk around with something to catch the ashes too. We wanna be tidy. You can use a spray. So if you don't like the idea of smoke, you can use the essential oil of your herb of choice and mix it with witch hazel and water in a spray bottle and do the same ritual, getting into all the corners. You can use sound. So ring a bell, clap your hands, play a song that feels particularly resonant. If all you have is a baby rattle, use that. You know, Imagine the energy dispersing as you ring, clap, sing, rattle, however you're making noise. And then you can sweep. So get out your broom and physically clean your floors. Bring all the dirt to your doorway and sweep it outside or out to the hallway. This is symbolic and you can pick it up with a dustpan when you're finished. And don't forget to open your windows so the energy has a place to exit. So there you go. My friend, you're a kitchen witch now. Pretend like I'm knighting you with a magic wand. Oh, and feel free, if you want to, to use a spatula or some other kitchen utensil like you would a wand if you want. So there you go. Once you get in the mindset of this, everything can be magic. It's fun. It's meaningful. It's another way to connect to yourself and connect to your food in a way that makes you feel good. So that's what I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. Please share your recipes and insights with me once you start practicing in the kitchen. I love hearing from you. You can send me a message on Instagram at goodwitchkitchen or email me at thelunarbody at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to The Lunar Body. This one woman production is listener supported. And if you'd like to support the show, you can check out the podcast perks in the show notes. Visit my virtual tip jar at goodwitchkitchen.net slash tip, or you can subscribe and leave a rating or review in iTunes. So other lovely lunar feminists like you find my show. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email me at thelunarbody at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at goodwitchkitchen. Thank you so much for being here. Until next time. Thank you.